Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show covers the COVID-19 press briefing that took place this past Monday, January 11th, including comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Yes, uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining today's press briefing. I'm Hilda L. Solis, Chair of Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. And we're beginning to see the surge that we expected from the holiday season materialize. Our cases have not stabilized. We have more than 7,900 hospitalizations and COVID deaths are at its highest peak, killing on average about 200 Angelinos a day. Hospitals are on the brink of triaging care, which means decisions will have to be made on who could receive access to scarce resources, such as ventilators, respiratory therapists, and critical care nurses. The situation is more dire than ever before, which is why I'm going to share some stories from our local hospitals. Dying from COVID in the hospital means dying alone. Visitors are not allowed into hospitals for their own safety. Families are sharing their final goodbyes on tablets and mobile phones. One of the more heartbreaking conversations that our healthcare workers share is about these last words when children apologize to their parents and grandparents for bringing COVID into their homes for getting them sick. And these apologies are just some of the last words that loved ones will ever hear as they die alone. Please don't let this be your family. Don't let this be your parents or your grandparents. Please, for your loved ones, stay home, stay safe, keep your loved ones alive. Now I want to give an update on the status of the vaccine administration in Los Angeles County. As of yesterday, we have administered more than 2,600 vaccine doses to frontline healthcare workers and staff and residents of long-term care facilities. The figure includes more than 25,000 second doses administered. These distributions are going smoothly due to the great work done by our local hospitals and clinics, but we still have a long way to go until a widespread vaccination becomes available. We had hoped to receive more doses in a faster timeline from the federal government. And we also hope to receive more staffing support from our hospitals, which are currently very impacted in terms of staffing. As I have said, the incoming Biden administration already laid out plans to speed up vaccinations, including the release of nearly all available vaccine doses, using the Defense Production Act to speed up production and getting local governments the funding and staffing needed for administration. LA County is prepared to receive more doses and funding to quickly ramp up this effort. We've also requested 500 staff from the state to assist with vaccination efforts. In the meantime, however, I urge everyone to honor the priority system that we currently have in place. This was designed out of necessity because we don't have enough supplies right now, but we want everyone to eventually be able to have access. It's only a matter of time but our healthcare workers must go first so they can stay safe while doing the important work of saving lives. And I also want to be very clear that eventually everyone will be eligible for the vaccine. This is at no cost to you, and it is regardless of one's background. 
This means that regardless of one's immigration status, you will qualify for the COVID-19 vaccine. You will not see what we are seeing in Nebraska, where the governor there is trying to turn away those who are undocumented from getting a vaccine. In fact, those who are undocumented should be at the front of the line. They are our essential workers, and they have been incredibly impacted by this pandemic. When we are able to administer the vaccine widely, there will still be some hesitance on the part of some residents to actually receive the vaccine. And that's understandable. We have to build trust and get the message out in a culturally and linguistically competent manner, which is why I'm proud to announce that the county's community health worker outreach initiative, known as the Prometores program, will be extended with an additional $3 million. This is a network of community health promotores who live within the same communities where they now serve as trusted messengers. They speak the same language and are from the same neighborhoods and organize in community centers, faith-based locations, and even laundromats. Promotores meet our hardest-to-reach communities wherever they are. Their mission is to connect people with the right information and resources to bridge the gap in trust between government and people. To date, there are more than 900 part-time and full-time community health workers. And this program started through a motion which I authored and has been one of the most effective tools we have to reach our most impacted communities. They have conducted more than 200,000 outreach activities with over 369,000 individuals and distributed 230,000 face coverings and 60,000 sanitizer bottles in our most vulnerable neighborhoods and they will be instrumental in disseminating accurate information regarding the COVID vaccine. I want to applaud them for their valuable service to our residents. And lastly, the county's Small Business Technical Assistance Program, otherwise known as BizHelp, is now available for use. The program will provide technical assistance to small businesses when they apply for loans. Specifically, it will prepare them for the eventual launch of the Small Business Stabilization Loan Program at the end of this month. We found that many small and minority-owned businesses struggled with applying for these low-interest loans, which would help their businesses stay afloat. Oftentimes, they simply do not have the correct paperwork. So it will be critical that these small businesses take advantage of this one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions and webinars provided in multiple languages. Please visit bizhelp.lacda.org or call 626-586-1550 to get started. Additionally, the county is working on the framework and eligibility requirements for the launch of the 2021 Rental Relief Program. More help is on the way through the recently passed federal relief package. The program is currently being developed. To be notified when the program launches, please visit 211LA.org slash LA County slash Rent Relief or simply call 211. Thank you again, and I would now like to introduce our Director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Uh, good afternoon, and, and thank you, Supervisor Solis and to all the supervisors for your continued efforts and leadership during these very tragic times. We do look forward to our combined efforts to end this pandemic and expand our vaccination programs across LA County. I'll now offer some updates. Uh, please bring up the first slide. Uh, let me begin with a very urgent plea to everyone in LA County. Now is the time to stay home as much as possible. Now is the time to avoid as much as possible contact with others that aren't in your household. When you must go out, 
to work or for essential services, always wear a mask, keep your distance from others, wash your hands frequently, bring sanitizing wipes with you so that you can wipe down your cell phone, your car keys, your workstations, your door handles, uh, anything you're touching and anything other people are touching. This is the time to be extremely cautious and very careful. We cannot lighten up our efforts yet, not now and not for the next several weeks. Every minute, every minute, 10 people in LA County on average are testing positive for COVID-19. And these 15,000 or so individuals that are testing positive each day were capable of infecting others two days before they had any symptoms or even knew that they were positive. At least 10 to 12% of the people who are infected with the virus end up hospitalized at some point. And more than 1% of people who are diagnosed as positive with COVID-19 end up dying. The damaging impact to our families and our local hospitals from this surge is the worst disaster our county has experienced for decades. And as with other terrifying situations, the end of this surge only happens when more people and more businesses take control and do the right thing. And we all do know what we need to do. The county and state health departments have taken significant steps to try to control the virus. In November, we asked everyone to stay home and not to gather for the holidays. There are travel advisories and health officer orders in place that prohibit gatherings, require adherence to safety directives at work sites and public spaces, mandate isolation and quarantine for those infected, their close contacts, and those who have traveled. Testing is free and available across the county, and resources have been dedicated for those who are in vulnerable communities and those who need additional support to comply with isolation and quarantine orders. We've conducted thousands and thousands of inspections to ensure compliance, and we continue to investigate workplaces where there are outbreaks and when we hear concerns from workers or patrons. We've closed businesses and other places where large outbreaks have occurred. We've worked with hundreds of businesses to improve workplace conditions. We've issued fines. We've issued citations. We've had the tools the warnings, and the restrictions in place for weeks. But it has been insufficient because the biggest single factor in all of this comes down to individuals taking appropriate action, taking personal steps. We really just need everyone to do the right thing, to protect each other so we stop the transmission that's now occurring in epic proportions. We're approaching the one-year anniversary of our first known positive case in L.A. County. And we understand it's been a long and exhausting journey these past 12 months. With the rollout of vaccinations, there's hope for a brighter future. However, we need to make sure that everyone survives to benefit from the vaccine. So now is not the time to meet up with friends at your home to watch the game. It's not the time to go for a walk without your face covering. All it takes is one mistake and soon five, 10, or 20 other people become infected. This deadly virus continues to spread at alarming rates. And the most important way to stop it in its tracks is to avoid interactions with others and protect ourselves at all times. Uh, now I'll provide some current updates. 
I'm sad to report today 137, and I'll take the next slide, 137 additional people have passed away, which unfortunately brings the total number of deaths to 12,387 in L.A. County. In just the past seven days, we've lost more than 1,500 people. This is tragic, upsetting, and overwhelming. 55 of the people who died were over the age of 80. 48 of the people who died were between the ages of 65 and 79. 25 people who passed away were between the ages of 50 and 64. And seven people who died were between the ages of 30 and 49. We extend our deepest sympathies to everyone who is saddened, who is struggling with the loss of a loved one or a friend who passed away from COVID-19. Our prayers and thoughts are with you always. We're reporting 12,617 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in L.A. County to 932,697. We're quickly increasing our pace to reach the grim milestone of 1 million cases. These cases include 38,470 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 8,397 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. There are 7,910 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and 22% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. We've investigated a total of 4,287 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 1,737 ongoing outbreak investigations, and there are 2,550 closed investigations. The total confirmed cases in institutional settings is 75,512, and this includes 32,644 cases among residents and 42,868 among staff. To date, over 5 million people have been tested and had test results reported in L.A. County, and the cumulative positivity rate has now risen to 18 percent. I'll take the next slide. This updated graph of cases by episode date shows the average daily numbers of cases on January 6th uh, as being at 12,241. Since the surge began on November 1st, this is a staggering uh, 898% increase in our cases. The graph does show the small dip in cases since the New Year's holiday, which was to be expected because testing centers were closed for a couple of days. This is the same dip that followed the Christmas holiday weekend, also because testing sites were closed. But just like what occurred after Christmas and the dip, we fully expect to see another increase now that we're, out, now that we're almost two weeks out from the New Year's holiday. Next slide. This graph clearly shows the unprecedented impact the surge in cases continues to have at our local hospitals. We've gone from an average of 790 people hospitalized with COVID-19 two months ago to over 8,000 people hospitalized on January 8th. This is an increase of 884%. With an average of 14 to 15,000 people testing positive every day, we can predict with a fair amount of accuracy that 10 to 12% of those who test positive are going to require hospitalization at one point. And because of that, 
This will continue to overwhelm our hospitals. Our valiant, our valiant frontline healthcare workers are doing everything they can to handle the influx to try to save lives. And we're indebted to them for their dedication, their long hours of hard work, and their strength during these difficult days. But what they really need right now is for us to stop spreading the virus so they don't continue to see dozens and dozens more new cases coming into their emergency rooms every day. I'll take the next slide. This slide is a very real reminder of our failures to protect each other. Since this surge began in November, we have seen deaths increase by more than 1,000%. This table shows a seven-day average number of daily deaths from when we had 12 deaths a day on average in early November to a seven-day average of 146 deaths on January 6th. On multiple days last week, the daily reported number of deaths were over 200. And this past weekend, we marked the grim milestone of recording more than 12,000 county residents having passed away from COVID-19. To each person who lost a loved one or a friend, we share our heartfelt condolences and are truly sorry for your loss. The next slide. I want to briefly share some information about the proportion of COVID-19 deaths during the surge among LA County's vulnerable residents. People experiencing homelessness are especially vulnerable to COVID-19. They often don't have a safe place to shelter away from others. They lack access to medical resources and they may have multiple chronic health conditions. Many steps have been taken and continue to be taken by public and private agencies and organizations to help move people who are experiencing homelessness into temporary housing and to conduct additional well-being checks on those that are still sheltering outside. Efforts have also been made to prevent or control outbreaks at interim housing sites and shelters. Uh, quarantine and isolation facilities have been opened and uh, there's been a lot of outreach to make sure that medically vulnerable people experiencing homelessness are also offered uh, temporary housing uh, where they can be, uh, where they can actually not have a lot of exposures to other people. This graph shows that relative to the increases in deaths overall, deaths amongst people experiencing homelessness have not increased as steeply. I'll take the next slide. Uh, let's go, can you just go back to the other slide? Um, so I just want to note that um, the green line on the on the green line on this graph is the number of homeless people that have passed away, and the blue line is the number of total people that have passed away every week. Uh, and they're on different scales. Uh, so the scale on the right uh, actually shows a much smaller number. So while there's been an increase, uh, the increase has not happened um, with the same amount of numbers uh, that we're seeing amongst all people everywhere. Next slide. Um, and while this surge uh, didn't impact people experiencing homelessness to the same degree as it impacted all others, uh, we have seen this increase uh, and it's been particularly alarming over the last couple of weeks. In early December, there were about two deaths a week for people experiencing homelessness. And now this past week, there were 14 deaths for the seven day period that ended January 2nd. I'll take the next slide. Another vulnerable group uh, are people who are incarcerated. Uh, since this pandemic began, county, state, and federal authorities 
have worked to help reduce the potential for outbreaks at prisons and jail facilities across L.A. County. Uh, the chart shows the trend line for deaths, again, amongst people who have been incarcerated. That's the green line compared to deaths across the general population. Uh, that's the blue line. And I'll take the next slide. Again, the, the axes on the right and the left are slightly different. Uh, but again, uh, we've had uh, uh, obviously increases again in people experiencing homelessness. And while the numbers are not the same, uh, I mean amongst people who are incarcerated, and while the numbers are not the same as they are in the general population, I want to note that everywhere we look, the last couple of weeks have shown us an increase on the number of people who are passing away. Uh, we had a, a report of about three deaths a week uh, for people who were incarcerated uh, last spring, which was the last time we had a peak. Uh, and now, again, we have another peak, and it's about four deaths are being reported every week uh, for the last seven days. Each one of the deaths that we're showing here is a tragedy, and our hearts do go out to those who have passed away from COVID-19. I'll take the next slide. Uh, this graph highlights information about the number of deaths seen over time among people residing in skilled nursing facilities compared with the general trend line for all deaths. And while every death is heartbreaking, one small glimmer of hope is that while overall deaths have increased dramatically over the past two months amongst L.A. County residents, the number of deaths amongst SNF residents has not risen at the same pace. As I stated earlier, the overall death rate has increased by more than 1,000%. The increase in deaths at skilled nursing facilities in this latest surge is about 100%. In the spring, about half of all deaths from COVID-19 occurred at skilled nursing facilities. And now the deaths at these facilities represent less than 6% of all deaths from COVID-19. A lot of effort has been and continues to be spent to protect residents residing at skilled nursing facilities. And this is especially true after the high death rates that occurred back in the spring. The efforts to reduce transmission have obviously helped reduce mortality. And now the important work is to continue all those efforts while completing vaccinations for residents and employees at our long-term care facilities. And I'll take the next slide. This allows us now to uh, report on the overall progress of our COVID-19 vaccination program. And I wanna thank Supervisor Solis and all of our partners for their leadership in helping us make sure that the vaccines that are available are getting into the arms of eligible people. As of last week, hospitals uh, received 220,000 vaccine doses and they have vaccinated about 160,000 uh, frontline healthcare workers. That's about 75% completion rate. Uh, hospitals began providing their eligible staff second doses last week, and more than 22,000 healthcare workers are now fully vaccinated. Hospitals did receive an additional 37 doses last week, in addition to the 60,000 doses that remain, to ensure that they can continue to provide the second doses this week and next. Um, and they, this week, they have alone 74,000 confirmed vaccination appointments for their healthcare workers. Uh, we're also pleased with progress at our skilled nursing facilities and want to thank both the county and city staff and our partner Curative, all who have sent teams and mobile units to these facilities to accelerate the pace of vaccinations. 
among 49,000 eligible residents and staff at 298 skilled nursing facilities that completed last week's survey, 67% of employees and 66% of residents had been vaccinated. Uh, individuals with active infection are not eligible for vaccination, and some employees work at more than one site, and therefore they're not uh, revaccinated at each site. The remaining 42 LA County skilled nursing facilities are all being assisted by DPH, the city and county teams with their vaccination efforts. And we're hopeful that these will be completed by the end of next week. Starting today, per direction of the state, we've expanded the vaccination program to include all healthcare workers within tiers two and three in phase 1A. These vaccinations can occur at all of the community sites that are set up, but you do need an appointment and you are gonna need verification that you qualify as a frontline healthcare worker. There's more than 75 vaccination locations that have been established to facilitate the administration of doses to individuals within uh, phase 1A, tiers two and three. These are basically uh, primarily non-hospital care workers and non uh, skilled nursing facility healthcare workers. To date, we've opened more than 20 designated vaccination centers for frontline healthcare workers, and we've made arrangements with multiple pharmacies to facilitate these vaccinations uh, for frontline healthcare workers in phase 1A. And again, you need to make an appointment. You're going to need to show your verifications. Please visit our healthcare provider information hub. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see details on how you can make an appointment. In addition to these sites that are open this week, next week we're planning to open five large capacity vaccination sites that will enable us to speed up vaccinations for frontline healthcare workers in phase 1A. We're reassigning, we're reassigning healthcare department staff, I mean public health department staff, in order for us to expand our capabilities for this effort. These five sites, in addition to our private partner sites, will allow us to complete an additional 500,000 vaccinations among our healthcare workers by the end of January. Next slide. As we near the, phase, the end of phase 1A at the end of January, we're looking to starting vaccinations for groups in the next phase, 1B. And we can expect to begin those vaccinations, assuming we have ample of vaccines that are, that are allocated to the county uh, in early February. Following that, we would expect to begin vaccinations for persons in phases 1C in late March. A full description of who qualifies for either phase 1B or phase 1C, both include both essential workers uh, in some categories of work, as well as people who are older, and in phase 1C, people with underlying health conditions, you can find this detailed information on our website, www.vaccinatelacounty.com. On this site, you'll see red and green circles next to each group category. Green circles are being used to designate those groups that have been or currently are being offered the vaccine. And red circles show those groups that are waiting to be offered the vaccine. Uh, you can also sign up to get alerts and an, a weekly uh, newsletter that provides updates on vaccination efforts across the county. Uh, I want to announce that we'll be holding another COVID-19 vaccine town hall 
this, uh, this week, uh, I mean next week on Tuesday, January 19th. Uh, it's, uh, all, all of the public are invited to join us. You can learn more details about the vaccine and our programs to immunize as many people as possible in the coming weeks and months. Uh, details will be posted shortly about how you can join uh, how you can join the town hall and also how you can submit your questions in advance. The town hall will be streamed live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at LA Public Health. Uh, LA Public Health. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, and now, uh, thank you. And Dr. Galley, the director of the Department of Health Services, will provide additional updates. Hi, good afternoon. Today, I'll provide a brief update on the latest numbers coming from DHS, a little bit about what our hospitals are experiencing, an update on community testing, and the latest on vaccinating our county's healthcare workers within DHS. Overall, we continue, as you know, to see signs of this deadly surge continuing, even though the numbers of hospitalized patients across the county have stabilized for now. I'm very grateful, as always, to our dedicated frontline healthcare workers who have continued every day to rise to the occasion, and they show up to, day in and day out to care for the sick people who need acute-level care services and life-saving care in our county's hospitals. As of today, as Dr. Frere just reported, the hospitalizations are relatively constant across the county at just shy of 8,000. Across all of the hospitals in the county, there are being reported 650 available beds and 46 available ICU beds. And if you'll recall, these total numbers represent all beds, both adult specialty care beds and pediatrics beds, that are being reported by the hospitals on a daily basis as what they have immediately available to take a patient. DHS, uh, for its four public hospitals, has 554 COVID-positive patients as of this morning, and that includes 143 of those who are receiving ICU-level care. 53% of all DHS inpatients and 75% of all inpatients in the intensive care units within DHS hospitals have COVID, and these numbers are very similar to what's experienced across private hospitals as well. Just as all hospitals, we still have patients who are being boarded in the emergency departments, and we still have our clinical care teams caring for more patients than what they would under normal circumstances. Patient care is being supported by a very large number of redeployments of nursing staff and other staff from outpatient facilities, as well as support from state contracts and registry. We're also grateful to the Department of Defense and the Disaster Medical Assistance Teams, the DMAT teams, who have arrived within Los Angeles County. They joined, those two DOD teams have joined their teams at Harbor UCLA Medical Center and LACUSC Medical Center to help with staffing. There are typically 20-person teams, and they have a variety of staffing support and clinicians there, including combat medics, nurses, and respiratory therapists. There's also teams being deployed at at least five private hospitals as well. We also appreciate the involvement from the California Department of Public Health for embedding here with our EMS agency, which serves as the MOAC in Los Angeles County. They are diving in to better understand and be able to address the challenges that hospitals are 
hospitals are facing, both in terms of troubleshooting infrastructure issues like what's been reported on with oxygen supply, trying to manage lateral transfers or troubleshooting issues with transfers to lower levels of care so that our acute care resources can remain available for those who require that acute level of care. There are also troubleshooting issues with durable medical equipment as needed, and we're very grateful for their on-the-ground involvement and assistance. Despite the support that all of this provides, there remains staffing shortages countywide in all hospitals at healthcare facilities, and we are still very much in the midst of this deadly surge. We're watching the data very carefully over the next couple of days, as this is the time when we would anticipate beginning to see the surge in patients from the recent Christmas and New Year's holidays. Because of this, I continue to urge everybody to stay at home as much as possible and to continue to follow all of the guidance from the Department of Public Health about how you can keep yourself safe, your loved ones safe, and prevent transmission of this virus within the community. That includes staying at home, washing your hands, wearing your mask, avoiding gatherings, and altogether trying to avoid interactions with those outside of your household. We want to make sure that whether you have COVID or need some other form of care from a heart attack, a stroke, a traumatic injury, a car accident, that the life-saving services of hospitals are there for you if you need them. Shifting now to testing. As you know, the city announced last night that Dodger Stadium testing site as well as the VA testing site will cease testing operations as of today in order to transition Dodger Stadium to become a vaccination site for COVID. We are very grateful for the support that the city has provided and their leadership for providing set testing access for all those across this county and city having administered over 1 million COVID tests to date. In response to the state's announcement, the Department of Health Services, as the lead for community testing in the county, is exploring opportunities in continued conversations with the, with the city to fill some of the testing gaps that will be created by these two site closures. There is availability this week for those in need of a test, but testing demand remains very high across all of the sites, city, state, and county, given the ongoing surge. I continue to remind everyone that if you're experiencing symptoms that might be consistent with COVID, or if you have a known exposure to someone with COVID-19, please first call your healthcare provider or your plan to discuss whether or not you need a test and to try to be connected with resources within the established healthcare system. If you don't have a provider, you can find, one, find access to the test by the county's COVID-19 testing site or by calling 211 to get assistance. If you aren't able to immediately get an appointment for a test through the community testing sites or through your provider or plan, then please continue to self-isolate if you have exposure or symptoms that lead you to believe you might have COVID. In addition, following the alert from the FDA about the risk of false negative results, DHS has made the decision to stop all use of the curative test. Curative tests were only used at county testing sites for a period of approximately three weeks, from mid-December to early January, and they accounted for a very small percent, about 10%, of the tests used at those county-supported testing sites during those three weeks. Curative tests... Uh, sorry, we are making this change as a precaution given the FDA's warning and will replace the curative tests with the tests provided by Fulgent Genetics, which is the lab vendor that we use for the vast majority of the county-operated testing sites. 
regardless of which vendor any site uses, please realize that all PCR tests and really all COVID tests have a risk of false negatives. And individuals should complete their quarantine if they have an exposure or if they have an exposure to someone with COVID, even in the setting of a negative test. A negative test should still never be used as permission to stop quarantining. Uh, finally, a brief update on vaccination, and then we'll take questions. DHS workers are continuing to receive now their second round doses of the COVID vaccine this week. As of Friday, 3,000 DHS workers had received their second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, and about 14,000 had received their first dose. More vaccine clinics are underway today and will continue over the next several weeks. Because it can take weeks for the vaccination to provide the appropriate and full immune protection, it remains important that people, even if they've received a vaccine, that they keep doing what's needed to reduce transmission to protect themselves uh, in wearing a mask, but also because you can still be infectious to others, even if you've received that vaccine, to reduce transmission to others. So please, if you have received a vaccine, we're very glad that you've received that and that you have that opportunity for protection, but you still need to wear a mask and you still need to do all those basic public health practices to avoid spreading the virus to those around you. I urge and caution everyone within the community to keep up those practices and to not get tired. I know it's been a long road, but we're getting close, and we still need everyone to remain vigilant with the practices for the sake of the health of all of those around us. And we'll now take questions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you wish to ask a question, please press 1, then 0 on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, for questions, you may press one, then zero. And it's also been requested uh, for reporters if you can limit yourself to one to two questions only. Thank you. Our first question from the line of Bernard Wolfson with Kaiser Health News. Please go ahead, the line is open. Well, yes, good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? Uh, okay, good. Um, I wanted to ask, I'm not sure which of you want to answer this question, um, but um, the uh, California Department of Public Health order of January 5th, among other things, says that hospitals with capacity are required to accept transfers from hospitals in other counties that are uh, overwhelmed. Uh, and I'm wondering to what extent overwhelmed hospitals in Los Angeles County have been requesting such support from hospitals in other counties and the degree to which those requests are being accommodated and by which counties. Yeah, hi, thanks for the question. The CDPH order that you reference uh, says that if a hospital is in crisis care, that uh, receiving hospitals must accept those patients from that sending ho crisis care hospital on a lateral transfer. Uh, there are no hospitals within Los Angeles County that have still declared crisis standards of care, and we have also not received any requests from outside of the county to laterally transfer individuals from hospitals in crisis standards of care. We'll take the next question. Our next question from the line of Claudia Pesciuta with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. The line is open. So, um, have any hospitals at this point notified the county that they're planning to go into crisis care mode? And also, 
What is the uh, total testing capacity before the closure of the VA and Dodger Stadium sites? What will capacity be dropping down to? It's obvious at this point that we're not testing enough. If, you know, about one in four or five people who are tested are coming out positive, um, are you concerned about dropping capacity now given the amount of cases that we're seeing? Thank you. Uh, we have not been notified by any hospitals that they have declared crisis standards of care. Hospitals are not required to notify us that they're thinking about it. Uh, and we often have conversations with CDPH, with DPH, through the EMS agency through, and through the MOAC to support hospitals to try to help them with whatever is the trouble that they're having on the ground and try to help troubleshoot those problems, whether it be oxygen supply, staffing resources, uh, assistance with transferring patients. But those conversations are all in the context of contingency care and as hospitals raise them. So again, no hospitals have notified us that they have declared uh, and then on your second question, the volume um, of completed tests at the two sites in question, Dodger Stadium and the VA, they run about 87,000 tests per week. Uh, that's been consistent over the last several months. It represents about a third of the total testing capacity within the geography of the county of Los Angeles. So typically on a given week within the community testing sites. Uh, so again, not all testing, but the community testing sites, there's about 275,000 tests performed for, per week and these two sites make up 87,000. Uh, and I know that the city is aware that uh, there will be implications of these closures and they're thinking through how to be able to ramp up additional sites in the near future and try to bridge to that uh, period of time and ideally make it as short as possible and we will continue conversations with the city to that regard as well as trying to look at what we can do within the county as well to ramp up testing access. I agree that this is a really critical time to make sure that people in the midst of a surge can have robust access to testing. The county had been in the midst of working to ramp up uh, increase the, the total number of tests that are available within the county given the high demand for testing that we've experienced, and that remains critically important. We'll take the next question. Next question from the line of Ron Lynn please go, uh, with Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Hi, Supervisor Solis and Dr. Sferengali. Thanks again for talking with us and taking our questions. Really appreciate it. First, um, are there any hospitals right now that are on internal disaster? And if so, can you explain the reasons? Why? Second, can you provide us with an update on hospital oxygen systems around the county and the supply of oxygen canisters? Have things improved since the Army Corps of Engineers arrived, or are they still bad? And finally, do you have an update on how many new COVID hospitalizations countywide we're seeing daily? Is it still around 750 to 800 a day, or has it gone up? Thanks. Uh, hi, Ron. I'll take the first two questions and then let Dr. Ferrer, I, I'm not sure I heard the entirety of the third question, but I'll let Dr. Ferrer chime in as well. There's one, one hospital, a private hospital, uh, that is currently on internal disaster, uh, and the EMS agency is working with them to troubleshoot issues which are primarily related to staffing. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers has completed the last data that I saw. I, I believe it's 11 hospitals within Los Angeles County for examination of their oxygen supply system and making a set of recommendations for what can be done to help enhance that supply and to prevent the freezing and enhance the flow through the pipes. And then those hospitals are responsible for um, putting in place the set of repairs or changes that are needed based on the Army Corps of Engineers' uh, advice. I'll turn it to Dr. Ferrer for the last one. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Um, 
so hospitalizations have stabilized, as, as uh, both Dr. Galley and I noted earlier, at slightly under 8,000 uh, hospitalizations, patients with COVID-19 hospitalized each day. The number of new patients coming in each day, which is, I think, the question you might have been asking, is around somewhere between 750 and 800 new patients a day uh, with COVID diagnosis. It's been as high as 1,000 a day uh, as well. So it, it does tend to fluctuate. Um, but again, uh, we've stabilized at a, a slightly lower number. Uh, we haven't continued to see the, the steep acceleration. Uh, but again, uh, we might be entering into another period of surge. And should we start seeing, again, case numbers rise to 15,000 a day, we will have a, another experience like we had before at our hospitals where they will see increased uh, occupancy as well. So thanks for that. We'll take the next question. Next question is from the line of Christopher Weber with the Associated Press. Please go ahead. Yes, hello. Uh, are you anticipating other mass scale vaccination sites in the county or will Dodger Stadium be enough to handle the, uh, um, the inevitable demand? Yeah, no, thanks a lot. Uh, as I announced earlier, we are standing up five additional sites uh, next Tuesday. Uh, that'll be all across the county. So there'll be Dodger Stadium. There'll be five additional county-run sites. Dodger Stadium will be a city-run site. And uh, we, we are so appreciative of uh, the city's uh, obvious uh, uh, dedication to helping us make sure we're getting everyone vaccinated. But there'll be five additional sites. Uh, again, capacity at each site will vary. Uh, but we anticipate at minimum uh, that every site is open for us on the county side seven days a week and has uh, the capacity to vaccinate at least 4,000 uh, to 5,000 people a day. Uh, again, we're working on the details. We're assigning staff uh, to make sure we'll have capacity to handle uh, that load, and we're making sure that we'll get enough vaccine from the state to do that. Uh, so we'll be running those large uh, sites for at least uh, the next four weeks, uh, starting next Monday, um, so that we can make sure that we're completing vaccinations for all uh, frontline healthcare workers here in LA County by the end of January, that we have capacity to help with those second doses as well, and uh, capacity across the county to start doing uh, phase 1B as well. So thanks for that. We'll take the next question. Our next question from the line of Albert Cerna with Boyle Heights Beat. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking the time to take my call. Um, I first wanted to uh, ask about uh, employees and youth in detention facilities. There have been seven youth at Central Juvenile Hall who've tested positive. Forty-six are in quarantine. There have also been 570 probation employees who've tested positive. As of January 7th, 200 of eight, 282 have worked uh, work in detention facilities. Is there a plan to vaccinate these youth and employees? Um, second, I wanted to ask about data that's published online. Uh, there's a difference in the number of cases uh, in regards to the top 25 cities and total cities, where in the top 25 cities, Boyle Heights is ranked second, but when compared to total cities, uh, Pomona is second. Uh, why is there any consistency in that? And then finally, I wanted to ask, there have been members of the LGBTQ community who went to Puerto Vallarta to celebrate New Year's. Some of them have been identified as healthcare workers. One man was even uh, shown being vaccinated after he returned. Is there any kind of... Um, plan to hold these individuals accountable. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks so much. I'm, I'm not sure I got all of the questions, but let me, let me try. Um, and yes, absolutely. Um, as we get to uh, phase 1B, 
uh, we will be, uh, again, increasing our capacity uh, to vaccinate other people uh, who are staying in congregate group homes. Uh, some of those folks, uh, depending on, their license, on the licensure of that site, can get vaccinated now as part of long-term care facilities, uh, our ability to vaccinate both staff and residents in all long-term care facilities. But some of those sites are not licensed uh, uh, as long-term care facilities, and they will come in, in 1B. So, of course, uh, as with other vulnerable uh, people, uh, including people who are incarcerated, people who are staying in our shelters, people experiencing homelessness, uh, we are anxious to be able to move into 1B quickly so that we can make sure we're getting a vaccine into the arms of, of those uh, who have a higher risk, and that includes both employees and folks who are residing at these facilities. In terms of uh, the difference in the Boyle Heights uh, case rates, I'll have to look. I mean, the one thing I, I wonder is uh, the calculation that we use and uh, to uh, develop that list of the 25 uh, communities with the highest case rates is looking at a 14-day period. Some of the other data that's posted on our website is cumulative and doesn't really look at the 14-day period. So, uh, but I'll get back. We'll get back to you on that because I don't have I don't have those tables in front of me. Uh, and then I'm I'm not sure what the the last question was uh, that you asked about accountability for people who may be jumping the line. Uh, look, you know, nobody should be jumping the line. Uh, every, we're going to get vaccine into the arms of everyone who wants to get vaccinated. And uh, right now when we're in 1A, I don't think there's a single person that doesn't understand how important it is for vaccine uh, to go to all of our frontline health care workers and to uh, those who are residing, residents in our skilled nursing facilities and long-term care facilities. Both groups are, are really vulnerable. We need our health care workers to be healthy to take care of the rest of us. And we need to drive down uh, the high death rates that have occurred amongst the most vulnerable living in our long-term care facilities. If, you, if you're going in and jumping the line, you're taking vaccine away from uh, either healthcare workers right now and, or you're taking it away from uh, people who need it, uh, who are residents at our facilities. We have a limited supply. Uh, so please just, just wait your turn. Uh, you will get, we will get there. We will get to everyone. Um, we're just going to continue to ask people uh, to wait their turn. Obviously, uh, when we hear accounts, particularly accounts where a facility uh, is not correctly implementing the requirements around tiering, we'll work with that facility so that they come into compliance. Thanks a lot. And we'll take the next question. And ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, to respect the time and ability for other reporters, please limit questions to one to two questions per reporter. Thank you. We'll go next to David Rosenfeld with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good afternoon. Thanks so much. I was wondering on the uh, opening of the Dodger Stadium for, for vaccinations, does that represent a departure from your strategies? It, it was kind of surprising. It seemed a little premature since there's still a lot of uh, vaccine that needs to be done at hospitals and other sites. I'm just wondering if that was something that uh, the county was, was on board with in, in planning that. Um, and then um, on the, the curative test, um, uh, you said they've only been used in, the, in, in recent weeks. I'm wondering, if, are there other curative tests that were not included in that? Because I, as my understanding, there's a lot more that were purchased. Um, that were curative tests and, and processed by Corva Labs. So maybe maybe those are different. I was looking for a clarification on that. 
And lastly, real quick, the governor said Los Angeles RAC Center or RACS Center was being opened as a field hospital. Can you, can you clarify what that is, please? Thanks. Thanks, uh, uh, and I can try to answer the, the first question about the tiering uh, and vaccinations and are we shifting uh, uh, sort of our strategy for getting uh, frontline healthcare workers uh, uh, vaccinated? Uh, we're not. Um, you know, uh, if, if everyone remembers, uh, there's a very big group, uh, probably it's close to 800,000 healthcare workers here in L.A. County that are in uh, Phase 1A, and within Phase 1A there's Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Uh, we've been, uh, we started obviously, as uh, we're all supposed to, with tier one. And those were frontline healthcare workers and those who help make sure uh, that the healthcare facilities um, are, uh, who, or who have an exposure because of their work at a healthcare facility, are getting vaccinated. And so our initial efforts were, were appropriately with acute care hospitals. We also uh, quickly opened up to EMTs and to paramedics. Uh, then we got to tier two and tier three, which are much broader groups of healthcare workers. Some it's easy because they're affiliated with a clinic site. Many others are not affiliated with a clinic site. Um, and for example, home, home health aides, uh, all are in tier two and tier three now. Um, so we have gone, we went last week to community sites and then again, moving to larger community sites as we recognize uh, that we really need to accelerate our pace of being able to get everybody that's in Tier 1A vaccinated by the end of January. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Galley for the other question. Uh, the county, when the county first launched community-based testing in March of 2020, it was originally done using uh, Curative as a lab. Uh, the county chose to move away from Curative to a different lab vendor for a variety of reasons in June of 2020. And since that time, we have almost entirely used a different lab, Fulgent Genetics, as well as relied on additional testing capacity through the state, uh, which is also provided by a lab that is not curative. Uh, more recently, in mid-December, we did start uh, two pop-up sites using the curative lab uh, as the laboratory vendor. Uh, and that is the small volume of sites that we'll be moving away from uh, based on the most recent announcement. Uh, that county-operated testing capacity is distinct from the city-run testing capacity, which does use curative as a vendor. On your third question related to the, I think, the RAP Center, uh, I don't think I heard the whole question, but if you could send the question to the DHS media inbox, we'll get an answer for you. We'll take the next question. Next question from the line of Annabelle Munoz with ABC7. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, two questions. The first one is uh, about a release, I think, that went out uh, Friday. It had some guidance on uh, for those who live in homes with people who are especially vulnerable to the virus, that it is now recommended that they wear a face covering inside the home. So if you could just... I'll provide any more information on the why and the how of that. Um, and in, actually, I think you answered my second question, <laughs> just that one. Thanks so much, Annabelle. And it's a very good question, and it is a new recommendation for us uh, because we have so much spread here in L.A. County. Uh, per this is particularly important for those people 
that live uh, in their in their households uh, with people who are very vulnerable, people who are older or people who have serious underlying health conditions that put them at great risk for serious illness uh, from COVID-19. If you're a person uh, living in a household with vulnerable people and you are required because of your job uh, to actually go out every day and you're interacting with lots of other people, we do now recommend that when you go home, uh, obviously do all of the infection control, washing your hands, making sure that frequently touched surfaces are cleaned all the time, trying not to share utensils, uh, cooking, or um, bathrooms uh, or bedrooms with people who are very vulnerable. But right now, because there is so much spread, uh, we're also recommending that people uh, keep their face coverings on while they're in the, inside the home. You know, we've always known that it's much easier to transmit this virus indoors than it is outdoors, particularly when people are in close contact. And, and while uh, many families have figured out ways to protect uh, older people and people who have underlying health conditions, there's so much transmission right now that we strongly recommend you also keep that face covering on. Uh, if you're an, a worker who's leaving every day or, in fact, you're somebody who has to run the essential errands in your family, uh, it will just add a layer of protection uh, while we get through this surge and try to get our case numbers and our transmission way down. But thanks for that question. And this, the next question will be our last question. Our next question from the line of Joel Grover with NBC4. Please go ahead. Yes, I think this is for Dr. Galley. Sorry to bring up uh, curative again, but I still think I need some clarification because we're hearing from so many members of the public, why did the county not you know, drop curative, but the city's still using them? I know you said you did it as a precaution. Can you explain exactly why the county stopped using the curative tests? And my second question is, do you think the fulgent tests you're now using are more accurate and produce significantly fewer false results than the curative tests. Hi, so we stopped using the curative test because of the FDA advisory notice that went out. Uh, the, we trust the FDA and I think it's our obligation uh, to follow their guidance wherever possible. Uh, we uh, do believe that the fulgent test provides uh, accurate results. However, I must say that any test, just as I mentioned earlier, always has a risk of false negatives. And that's true of curative, it's true of fulgent, it's true of any other test vendor that's out there. There is no test that is 100% accurate. So it's really important that people are careful about both when they get a test and what circumstances they're using to get a test, but also that they remember that they may need to isolate or quarantine regardless of a negative test. No test is perfect, and that's really important if we're going to get this virus under control to keep that in mind. Uh, I, I won't comment on the city's decision. I'll trust that they are going to review the data and look at the FDA advisory, uh, but the county, in an abundance of precaution, given the guidance from the FDA, chose to move away from that test. And we'll now turn to remarks in Spanish. Thank you. Buenas tardes. Soy Hilda Solís, presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Estamos empezando a ver la gran cantidad de casos que esperamos después de los días festivos. Tenemos más que 7,900 personas en el hospital y las muertes de COVID están de su punto máximo, a más de 200 residentes por día. 
La situación es más terrible que nunca. Por esto voy a compartir algunas historias de nuestros hospitales locales. Por ejemplo, morir de COVID en el hospital es morir solo, porque no se permiten visitantes en los hospitales por su propia seguridad. Las familias hacen sus despedidas finales en tabletas y por teléfono, porque no permiten familia o visitantes. Una de las conversaciones más dolorosas que comparten nuestros trabajadores de salud es sobre estas últimas palabras. Cuando hijos y hijas se disculpan con sus padres y abuelos por traer cobre a sus hogares, por enfermarlos, y estas disculpas son algunas de las últimas palabras que escucharán. Nos dejes que esta sea su familia. No dejes que sean tus padres o abuelitos. Por favor, quédense en casa y no permiten reunirse con personas que no viven en su hogar. Hasta ayer hemos administrado más que 206 mil dosis de vacunas a nuestros trabajadores y personal de atención médica y residentes en centros de cuidado a largo plazo. Estas distribuciones van bien debido al gran trabajo realizado por nuestros hospitales y clínicas locales. Pero tenemos un largo camino todavía. Teníamos la esperanza de recibir más dosis y en un plazo más rápido del gobierno federal. Sin embargo, sigue habiendo retrasos y reducciones en las dosis permitidas frente al número integrado. También esperamos recibir más apoyo del personal, ya que nuestros hospitales están muy afectados. La administración del presidente electo, Biden, ya presentó planes para acelerar las vacunas. Incluso la liberación de casi todos los dosis de vacunas disponibles por el uso de la Ley de Producción de Defensa para acelerar la producción y dando gobiernos locales fondos y el personal necesario para la administración de la vacuna. El condado de Los Ángeles está preparando para recibir más dosis y fondos para acelerar estos esfuerzos rápido. También hemos solicitado 500 miembros del personal del estado para ayudar con nuestros esfuerzos. Les pido que respetan el sistema de prioridades que tenemos actualmente. Esto fue diseñado por necesidad porque no tenemos sus suficientes materiales. Queremos que todos puedan tener acceso eventualmente. Es solo cuestión de tiempo. Pero nuestros trabajadores de salud deben ir primero para que puedan mantener seguros y saludables mientras trabajan para salvar vidas. También quiero dejar muy claro que eventualmente todos serán elegibles para la vacuna. No les va a costar nada y no importa su estado migratorio, calificará para tener la vacuna COVID-19. Sabemos que hay dudas sobre las vacunas. Tenemos que establecer confianza. Es por eso estoy orgullosa de anunciar que la iniciativa de trabajadores de salud comunitarias del condado, conocidos como la programa Prometores, se extenderá. Esta es una red de promotores de salud comunitaria que viven dentro de las mismas comunidades donde ahora sirven como mensajeros confiables. 
hablan el mismo idioma, son los mismos vecindarios y se organizan en centros comunitarios. Su misión es conectar a las personas con información y recursos para dar confianza entre el gobierno y residentes y serán fundamentales para dar información correcta sobre la vacuna. Por último, el programa de asistencia técnica para pequeñas empresas del condado, también conocido como BizHelp, ya está disponible para su uso. Este programa brindará asistencia técnica a las pequeñas empresas cuando, solicit cuando solicitan uh, préstamos. Especialmente van a lanzar el programa de préstamos para pequeños empresarios a fines de este mes. Visita, por favor, bizhelp.lacda.org o llame simplemente 626-586-1550. Este año, el condado también va a introducir un programa para ayudar a personas que rentan. Hay más ayuda en camino a través del paquete de ayuda federal que aprobaron apenas. Para ser notificado cuando el programa se lance, por favor visite, visite a 211-LA.org o llame por favor 211. Gracias. Y ahora me gustaría presentar la representante del Departamento de Salud Pública, Jacqueline Valenzuela. Buenas tardes. Hoy comenzamos con una petición muy urgente para todos los del condado de Los Ángeles. Ahora es el momento de quedarse en casa tanto como sea posible. Además, hoy es el momento de evitar el contacto con los demás. Cuando tenga que salir a trabajar o para servicios esenciales, use siempre una cubierta para la cara. Manténganse alejado de, eh, de los demás. Lávese las manos con frecuencia y traiga toallitas desinfectantes para limpiar su teléfono celular, las llaves de su auto, su área de trabajo, las manijas de las puertas y todo lo que toque. Ahora más que nunca sabemos, eh, debemos ser muy cautelosos para protegernos el uno al otro. No podemos bajar la guardia, ni ahora ni durante la, las próximas semanas. Cada minuto, 10 personas en el condado de Los Ángeles dan positivo por COVID-19. Y estas 15,000 personas que dan positivo cada día fueron capaces de infectar a otros durante dos días antes de que tuvieran algún síntoma o antes que supieran que eran positivas. Al menos el 10 a 12% de las personas infectadas con el virus eh, resultan hospitalizadas en algún momento y el 1% de las personas diagnosticadas con COVID-19 fallecen. El impacto abrumador que todo esto ha ocasionado tanto para nuestras familias como para nuestros hospitales locales es peor, es el peor desastre que nuestro condado ha visto en décadas. Y al igual que con otras situaciones aterradoras, el final de este aumento solo ocurre cuando más personas y negocios toman el control y hacen lo correcto. Todos sabemos qué hacer. El condado y los departamentos de salud estatales han tomado medidas importantes para tratar de controlar este virus. En noviembre le pedimos a todos que se quedaran en casa y que no se reunieran para los días festivos. 
Existen avisos de viaje y órdenes de los funcionarios de salud que prohíben las reuniones, requieren el cumplimiento de las directivas de seguridad en los lugares de trabajo y los espacios públicos y exigen el aislamiento y cuarentena para las personas infectadas, sus contactos cercanos y los que viajaron durante las fiestas navideñas. Cabe destacar que las pruebas son gratuitas y están disponibles en todo el condado y se han dedicado recursos a las comunidades más vulnerables y a quienes necesitan apoyo para cumplir con las órdenes de aislamiento y cuarentena. Pero todo, es, todo esto ha sido insuficiente porque lo más importante es que cada individuo tome acciones personales apropiadas. Hemos realizado, eh, miles, eh, perdón, hemos realizado miles de inspecciones para garantizar el cumplimiento y continuamos inspeccionando e investigando los lugares de trabajo donde hay brotes y cuando escuchamos inquietudes de los trabajadores o clientes. Pero también simplemente necesitamos que todos hagan lo correcto para protegernos y proteger a los demás y para detener la transmisión que ahora estamos viendo. Nos acercamos al primer aniversario de nuestro primer caso positivo conocido en el condado de Los Ángeles. Entendemos que ha sido un viaje largo y agotador estos últimos 12 meses. Con el lanzamiento de las vacunas, existe la esperanza de un futuro mejor. Sin embargo, debemos asegurarnos de que todos sobrevivan para beneficiarse de la vacuna. Ahora no es el momento de reunirse con amigos en su casa o para ver el partido. No es el momento de salir a caminar sin usar las cubiertas para la cara. Todo lo que se necesita es un error y poco después, 5, 10 o 20 o más se infectarán. Este virus mortal se está propagando a un ritmo alarmante y la forma más importante de detenerlos, eh, detenerlo perdón, es evitar las interacciones con los demás y protegernos a toda costa. Ahora daremos los números actuales. Next slide, please. Nos da tristeza informar hoy que 137 personas más han fallecido, lo que lamentablemente eleva el número total de muertes a 12,387 en el condado de Los Ángeles. En los últimos siete días perdimos más de 1,500 personas. Esto es extremadamente trágico y triste y abrumador. Hoy también reportamos mil, perdón, 12,617 nuevos casos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 932,697. Nos estamos acercando rápidamente a alcanzar un millón de casos. Actualmente hay 7,910 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 22% de las personas que están hospitalizadas en un, están en unidades de cuidados intensivos. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 75,512, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. Hasta la fecha se han, realizado, se han realizado pruebas a más de 5 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados de las pruebas al condado de Los Ángeles. La tasa de positividad acumulada es del 18%. Next slide, please. 
Este gráfico de casos por fecha de episodio muestra el promedio diario de casos el 6 de enero, uh, que fue de 12,241. Desde que comenzó el aumento el 1 de noviembre, este es un asombroso aumento del 898% en casos. El gráfico también muestra una pequeña caída en los casos desde las vacaciones de Año Nuevo, lo cual era de esperar porque los centros de pruebas estaban cerrados en ese momento. La misma caída siguió al fin de semana de vacaciones de Navidad porque los centros de pruebas también estaban cerrados en ese momento. Pero al igual que sucedió después de la caída navideña, esperamos que esta línea aumente nuevamente, especialmente dado el hecho que estamos casi a dos semanas después del año nuevo. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra claramente el impacto sin precedentes que ha tenido el aumento de casos en nuestros hospitales locales. Hemos pasado de un promedio de 791 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19 hace dos meses a más de 8,000 el 8 de enero. Eso es un aumento del 884%. Con un promedio de 14,000 a 15,000 personas que dan positivo cada día, podemos predecir con bastante precisión que entre el 12 y, perdón, el 10 y el 12% de los que dan positivo estarán lo suficientemente enfermos como para requerir hospitalización. Y esto seguirá abrumando a los hospitales. Nuestros valientes trabajadores de salud de primera línea están haciendo todo lo posible para tratar de salvar vidas. Estamos en deuda con ellos por su dedicación, sus largas horas de arduo trabajo y su fuerza en estos tiempos tan difíciles. Y lo que realmente necesitan ahora es que dejemos de propagar el virus para que no sigan viendo docenas de casos nuevos que llegan a sus salas de emergencia todos los días. Next slide, please. Este gráfico es un angustioso recordatorio muy real de nuestros fracasos para protegernos unos a otros. Desde que comenzó este aumento en noviembre, hemos visto aumentar las muertes en más del 1,000%. Esta tabla muestra un número promedio de siete días de fallecimientos diarios desde cuando tuvimos un promedio de 12 fallecimientos por día a principios de noviembre hasta un promedio de siete días de 146 fallecimientos el 6 de enero. En varios días de la semana pasada, el número total de fallecimientos diarios fueron de más de 200. Y el fin de semana pasada marcamos el límite más asombroso eh, con más de 12,000 fallecimientos de residentes uh, del condado a causa de COVID-19. Next slide, please. Ahora queremos compartir brevemente algo de información sobre la proporción de fallecimientos por causas de COVID-19 durante el aumento entre los residentes vulnerables del condado de Los Ángeles. Las personas sin hogar son lamentablemente las más vulnerables al COVID-19. A menudo no tienen un lugar seguro para refugiarse lejos de los demás, carecen de acceso a recursos médicos y pueden tener múltiples problemas de salud crónicos. 
las agencias públicas y las organizaciones privadas han tomado y continúan tomando muchas medidas para trasladar a las personas a viviendas temporales y para llevar a cabo chequeos de bienestar adicionales para quienes siguen viviendo afuera. También se realizaron esfuerzos para prevenir o controlar los brotes en los albergues. Y este gráfico muestra que en relación con los aumentos en las muertes en general, las muertes entre las personas sin hogar no han aumentado tan abruptamente. Next slide, please. Y aunque el aumento no ha afectado a las personas sin hogar en el mismo grado que a otros, este gráfico muestra que ha habido un aumento en las muertes entre las personas sin hogar. A principios de diciembre hubo alrededor de dos muertes por semana de personas sin hogar y ahora han habido 14 muertes, muertes durante el periodo de siete días que terminó el 2 de enero. Next slide, please. Otro, otro grupo muy vulnerable son las personas encarceladas. Desde que comenzó esta pandemia, las autoridades del condado, estatales y federales han trabajado para ayudar a reducir el potencial de brotes en las prisiones y cárceles del condado de Los Ángeles. Este gráfico muestra la línea de tendencia de las muertes entre las personas encarceladas, la línea verde en comparación con la línea azul de la población en general. Similar a la experiencia entre las personas sin vivienda, las personas encarceladas no experimentaron el mismo aumento en muertes. Next slide, please. Cuando tuvimos un aumento repentino la primera, primavera pasada, recibimos informes de tres muertes en una semana de personas que estaban encarceladas. Para el informe semanal más reciente que finalizó el 2 de enero, tuvimos un total de cuatro muertes durante esos siete días. Cada una de estas muertes es una tragedia y nuestros corazones están con quienes fallecieron por causas de COVID-19. Next slide, please. Este gráfico destaca información sobre la cantidad de fallecimientos observados a lo largo del tiempo entre las personas que residen en centros de enfermería especializada en comparación con la línea de tendencia general para todas las muertes. Y aunque cada fallecimiento es más que trágico, un pequeño rayo de esperanza es de que a pesar de que las muertes en general han aumentado drásticamente en los últimos dos meses entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles, el número de fallecimientos entre los residentes de centros de enfermería especializada no ha incrementado al mismo ritmo. Como dijimos anteriormente, la tasa de mortalidad general ha aumentado en más del mil por ciento y el aumento de fallecimientos en centros de enfermería especializada en este último aumento es del 112 por ciento. En la, primavera, en la primavera, aproximadamente la mitad de todos los fallecimientos por causas de COVID-19 ocurrieron en centros de enfermería especializada. Ahora, las muertes en estas instalaciones representan menos del 6% de todos los fallecimientos por COVID-19. Se ha dedicado mucho esfuerzo a proteger a los residentes que residen en centros de enfermería, especialmente después de, que, de las altas tasas de mortalidad que se produjeron en la primavera. Los esfuerzos para reducir la transmisión obviamente han ayudado a reducir la mortalidad, 
Y ahora el trabajo importante es continuar con todos esos esfuerzos mientras se completan las vacunaciones de los residentes y empleados en las instalaciones a largo plazo. Next slide, please. Ahora queremos informar sobre nuestro progreso general con nuestro programa de vacunación. Desde la semana pasada, los, hospital, los hospitales recibieron 220 mil dosis de vacunas y habían vacunado a 160 mil trabajadores de salud, aproximadamente el 75% de la tasa de finalización. Comenzaron a proporcionar segundas dosis a su personal elegible la semana pasada y más de 22 mil trabajadores de salud están completamente vacunados. Los hospitales recibieron 37,000 dosis adicionales la semana pasada, además de las 60,000 dosis restantes, para garantizar que puedan continuar brindando segundas dosis esta semana y tener 74,000 citas confirmadas para sus trabajadores de salud esta semana. Entre los 49,000 residentes elegibles y el personal de 298 uh, centros de enfermería especializada, el 67% de los empleados y el 66% de los residentes han, han sido vacunados uh, y esto es a través de la encuesta enviada por los operadores de centros de enfermería especializadas. Las personas con infección activa no son elegibles para la vacunación. Los 42 centros de enfermería especializada del condado de Los Ángeles cuentan con la asistencia de los equipos del Departamento de Salud Pública, la ciudad y el condado con sus esfuerzos de vacunación con la esperanza de que se completen para la próxima semana. A partir de hoy, según las instrucciones del Estado, hemos ampliado el programa de vacunación para incluir a todos los grupos dentro de los niveles 2 y 3 en la fase 1A. Nuevamente, estas vacunas se realizan con cita previa, solo con prueba de que califica de entre, dentro de estos niveles. Nos complace informar que se han establecido más de 75 lugares de vacunación para facilitar la administración de dosis a las personas dentro de estos niveles adicionales. Hasta la fecha, hemos abierto más de 20 centros de vacunación designados para trabajadores de atención médica de primera línea en la fase 1A, y hemos hecho arreglos con varias farmacias para facilitar las vacunas para los trabajadores de atención médica de primera línea y otras personas dentro de la fase 1A. Nuevamente debe mostrar prueba de que califica y debe programar una cita. Visite nuestro centro de información para proveedores de atención médica para obtener detalles sobre cómo programar una cita. Además de estos sitios, estamos planeando abrir cinco sitios de vacunación uh, de gran capacidad que nos permitirán acelerar las vacunas uh, para los trabajadores de atención médica de primera línea en la fase 1A. Estamos reasignando el personal del Departamento de Salud Pública a fin de ampliar nuestras capacidades para este esfuerzo a corto plazo. Estos cinco sitios nos permitirán completar uh, 500 mil vacunas para fines de enero. Next slide, please. A medida que nos acercamos al final de la fase 1A, podemos pensar en comenzar las vacunaciones para los grupos dentro de la siguiente fase 1B. Esperamos comenzar a vacunar a los de este grupo a principios de febrero. 
desde después de eso esperamos comenzar a vacunar a las personas dentro de la fase 1C a fines de marzo. Puede encontrar una descripción completa de quién califica para cada fase en nuestro sitio web vaccinatelacounty.com. En este sitio verá círculos rojos y verdes junto a cada categoría de grupo. Los círculos verdes se utilizan para designar a los grupos a los que se les ha ofrecido o se les está ofreciendo actualmente la vacuna y los círculos rojos muestran los grupos que están esperando que se les ofrezca la vacuna. También queremos anunciar que realizaremos otra reunión sobre las vacunas COVID-19. Salud Pública tendré, perdón, tendrá este este evento el martes 19 de enero para que el público conozca más detalles sobre la vacuna y nuestro programa para inmunizar a la mayor cantidad de personas posible en las próximas semanas y meses. En breve se publicarán detalles en nuestro sitio web sobre cómo enviar preguntas por adelantado. El evento se transmitirá en vivo en Twitter, Facebook y YouTube. And now we'll go ahead to Spanish, ask questions in Spanish. Thank you. And for our Spanish reporters, if you would like to ask a question, please press one, then zero to place yourself into the question queue. Again, that was one, then zero. Our first question from the line of Norma Roque, uh, Channel 34 Univision. Your line is open. Yes, thank you. Uh, muchas Thank gracias. You again for our Spanish reporters, if you would like to ask a question, please press one then zero to place yourself into the question queue. Again, that was one then zero. Our first question from the line of Norma Roque, uh, Channel 34 Univision. Your line is open. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Uh, Thank you. Muchas gracias. Okay. En el, en el caso de las pruebas eh, de curative. Eh, ¿Cuál es la responsabilidad del condado de Los Ángeles con respecto a lo que pasó? Y eh, para las personas que ya se hicieron la prueba que salió falso negativo, ¿qué deben hacer esas personas? ¿Deben ponerse en cuarentena? ¿Deben eh, hacerse la prueba de nuevo? ¿Y cuál es la advertencia que les están haciendo? Muchas gracias, Norma, por esa pregunta. Uh, lo que mencionó la doctora Galli anteriormente fue del, que el Departamento de Servicios de Salud ya no está utilizando uh, esas pruebas de curative eh, para poder ponerse en línea con las recomendaciones de uh, el FDA. Um, lo que también dijo es de que no hay ningún uh, examen que sea 100% eficaz. Así que para, para cualquier persona, si tenga alguna duda, si tiene síntomas, lo mejor sería ponerse en, uh, en cuarentena uh, hasta asegurarse de que no tenga síntomas. Así que hay más información en nuestro sitio web en publichealth.lacounty.gov para, para poder ver cuáles son los síntomas, para ver cuánto tiempo debería quedarse en casa. Y, y por supuesto, si tiene alguna pregunta específica para su uh, médico, podría hablarles, aunque obviamente ahorita nuestros servicios de salud están uh, un poco abrumados, pero siempre es una opción de poder pedir más información con su médico específico. Now we'll go on to the next question. Thank you. Uh, we have a question from the line of Luis Treto with Telemundo. The line is open. Gracias, Jacqueline, por 
oportunidad. Eh, mi pregunta tiene que ver con las vacunas. Eh, sabemos que ha sido un proceso más lento de lo que se esperaba. Eh, ¿qué, qué, puedes, eh, ¿Qué puedes decirnos sobre eh, las fases? ¿Es posible que debido a la lentitud se puedan eh, dar vacunas a personas en la fase B si es que las dosis están a punto de expirarse? Hemos escuchado sobre historias en hospitales donde prácticamente estaban a punto de expirarse y tuvieron que aplicárselas a otras personas. ¿Qué nos puedes contar sobre este plan de vacunación? ¿Se puede hacer alguna excepción? ¿Se podría comenzar a vacunar otras fases? Uh -huh. Gracias. Muchas gracias, Luis, por esa pregunta. Uh, cuando tiene que ver con las vacunas, sí es cierto, eh, mencionaron la doctora Gali y la doctora Ferrer, que, que seguimos en, en pie con nuestros planes uh, y seguimos con planes para, para aumentar nuestra capacidad de hacer más vacunaciones uh, para las fases actuales, todas las que están uh, escritas por, con detalle en nuestro sitio web también. Um, planes para poder uh, asegurar de que no se vaya a expirar ninguna vacuna. Esos son los, los tipos de planes que tienen y que están haciendo el condado y varios hospitales. Así que eh, eh, planes en caso de emergencias, en, como por ejemplo que se vaya a expirar la medicina, uh, son planes que siempre están en dis discusión para asegurar que no se eche a perder ninguna vacuna. Um, así que aunque no tengo más detalles acerca de cuál es el proceso uh, para todos los lugares, yo sé que es en parte, parte de las discusiones que están teniendo estos varios uh, uh, socios mientras están ampliando uh, la vacunación. Muchas gracias. Okay, and I think now we'll go on to remarks in Armenian. Varyor Bolorin. Shnakalchun verahaskich solisin yev ambocht verahaskich horortin. Tultavex kesel hratap khantrankov. Himaja manakne naravorina stana manal. Himaja manakne husapel urishneri hechapumit. Yerduk petke durzgak ashatek kam karivurts araitsuner matutsek mish dimak hakek. Heravurtsum pahek urishnerits, hachahaki levatsek zarkere, yevzeset berek makroch anzernotsikner, vorpisisir pek, zerp jain herahosa, zerp mekenai banalinere, zerp ashatankain kayanere, dram bernaknere, yev ein amene inchin depchumek. Jamanakne chapazans gushlinel. Menk chenkaruch, tetevatsnel merjankere, vochimai, yevochel arachikamikani chapatneri and tatskum. Amen Rope, Los Angeles Shajanum, Tasmar Drakanegnahatfum Covid Tasnini Hamar. Yevsa Tasnihink Hazar Anhatnere of Ker Amenor Drakan Archunkenunanum, Karuhem Varakel Urishnerin, Yerku or Arach Nachkan, Vureve Achtanishner Unenal, Chimanalovor Drakanen. Virusov varakvats martkans arnevaze tasits tasne yerku tokose, inchvor pahi haitnevume hivandanotsum. Is covid tasnini achtoroshvats martkans avelikan mek tokose mahanume. Satsaner as the tutsune mer antanikneri, yevterakan hivandanotsneri hamar. Vnasakar as the tutsune amina mets aretne, vormeshurjana karele, tasnamiakner sharnak. Եվ ինչպես մյուս սարսափելի իրավիճակների դեպքում ալիքի վերջը տեղի է ունենում միայն այն ժամանակ, երբ ավելի շատ մարդիկ եւ ձեռնարկություններ վերահսկողություն են հաստատում եւ ճիշտ քայլեր են ձեռնարկում։ 
Bolorsel gitenk te inchanel. Varcha shurjana yev arochapaucham petakam varchitsuneres galik hailer and zernarkel. Ice virus verahaskelu hamar. Nemberin meng bolorin hantrumeng menaltana yev chehavakvel arsakurtnerin. Gortsumeng turistakam hortatvutsuner yev arochapaucham ramanatner. Panel, Ashatankain, Herahangner, Ashatankain, Vairum, Yev Hasaragakan, Taratsknerum, Inchpesnev, Mekusatsum, Yev Karantin, Varkatsneri, Neransert, Kaperi, Yev Janaparor, Tokneri Hamar, Testavoruma, Amvichare, Yev Macheli, Amboch, Varchasurjanum, Yev Resursnere, Tramadervelen, Anapahov, Hamanknerin, Yev Nerans of Ker Ajak Chutan Karikunen, Mekusatsman, Yev Karantini, Patvernere, Katarlo Hamar. Menk Hazaravos to Gumner and Kanskatsrel, Hamapatas Hanutun, Apahovelu Hamar, Yev Menk Sharnakumen Kusumna Sirel, Ashata Terere, Vorter Bernakum Nerkan, Yev Menk, Lusumenk Ashator Nerin, Yev Hovanavur Nerin, Menk Pakeleng Business Nere, Yev Ail Vaireda, Vorter Hoshor Bernakum Neren Terunetzel, Menk Ashatelenk Hauravur, Ternakutun Neri Head, Ashata Vaireri Paimanere Barlavelu Hamar, Menk to gank nereng sahmanel. Bolorsel gitenk, te inchanel. Vachasurjane yevarochapautam petakam vartutunere, zgali kailerenzernarkel, ice virus verahaskelu hamar. Nemberin, menk bolorin, huntrumenk mnaltane yev chehavakvel. Gortsumen, hortatvutuner. Shapatner Shalnak, Menk Unen Gortikner, Nahas Gushatsumner, Yev Samana Pakumner, Bazda Ambavarare, Kanivor Ais Ameni Amena Metz, Mia Gortzone, Vor Anhatner, Zernarken, Hamapatashan Gortzotuner, Zernarken, Anznakan Kailer. Menk Parzapes, Karikunenk, Vor Bolores, Paspanenk Mimians, Vor Pisidandaretsnenk, Pohansuma, Vor Najem Terionenum, Epikakan, Hamamas Nutsunerov. Menk Motenumen, Los Angeles, Surjani, Mer Arachin, Haitni Drakan, Depkeri, Mek Amyakin. Menk Haskanumenk, Vor Ansatz, Tasne Yerku, Amisneri, and Tatskum, Da Ansele Yerkar, Yev Ujaspar, Janapar. Patvastum Neriz Durzgalov, Aveli Paitsar Apagai Huiska, Ainu Amenainiv, Menk Petke Hamozvenk, Vor Bolore Goyatevumen, Patvastutun Neriz, Okutstanalu Hamar, Himad Zertan and Kerneri Het Handipelu Jamanaka Che, Hagaditelu Hamar, Aranz Dimakis Bosnelu Jamanaka Che, Andrajestent Hamena Mek Sahal, Yev Hink, Tas Kamksan Hoki Varakfumen, Ais Mahatsu virus taratsmet tagnapeli temperov. Yevdra hetevum kangnasnelu amena karevor michotso urishneri het poh kortsaksutsunerits husapel numes mustapes paspanelne. Nerka iravijaki veraberal. Aisor tsavov hait numen kievas haru yerasun yot mahvan masin. Saberumen tanur maheritiva tasirku hazar yerekar utsun yoti Los Angeles or Aisor, Tasirku Hazar, Vetsar, Tasiot, Nord Debkeri Masin, Debkeri Nerarmen, Long Beach, Karaki, Mer, Korsen Kerneri, Kormitz, Grand Svatierasun, Uthazar, Chosar, Yotanasun, Debkeri, Isk Pasadena, Karaki, Kormitz, Grand Svat, Uthazar, Yerekar, Innesun, Yot Debkeri. 
Լոսանջորշրջանի դրական դեպքերին թանուրթիվը կազում է 932,698։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 7,910 մարդ։ Ներաղություն։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 700 7.010 մարդ, որոնցից 22 տոքոսը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժամունքում։ Կնություններ են կատարվում 4.287 ինստիտությոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Ինստիտությոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 7095-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4
Եվ այս անցած հանգսյան որերին մենք նշեցինք մրայլ իրադարձություն, ացանագրելով ավելի կան տաս երկու հազար վարճաշրջանի բնակիչներ, ովքեր կյանքից հերացել են կովիտ տասնինեց։ Յուրա� տեղեկատվությամբ, լոսանջելու շրջանի խոցելի բնակիչների շրջանում ալիքի ժամանակ կովիտ տասնինի մահվան համամասնության մասին։ Անոթևան ապրող մարդիկ հատկապես խոցելի են կովիտ տասնինի նկատմամբ։ Նրանք հաճախ բազմաթիվ կայլեր են ձերնարգվել և շարունակում են ձերնարգվել պետական մարմինների և մասնավոր կազմակերպությունների կողմից մարդկան ժամանակավոր բնակարան տեղափոխելու և բարեկեցության լրացուցիշ ստուգումներ Ընդհանուր արմամբ մահացության աչի համմատ անոթևան մարդկանդ շրջանում մահերը այնքան կտրուկ չեն աչը։ Եվ չնայց, որ ալի կչի ազդել անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց նույն աշջանի ինչ մյուսներին, այս յոթորյա ժամանակա հատվացում գրանցվել է տաշչորս մա։ Պատվաստանյութերի թարմացում։ Հիմա ուզում եմ զեկուցել մեր ընդհանուր առնչնթացի մասին կովիտ տասնինի պատվաստումների մեր ծրագրի միջոցով։ Անցալ ավարդի մոտ 75 տոքոսը։ Անցալ շապատ հիվանդանոցները սկսեցին տրամադրել իրենց իրավասու անձնակազմի երկրոր տեղաճապերը։ Եվ այժմ ավելի կան 22 հազար բուշ աշխատող ամբողջովին պատվաստվել է։ Ստացած 37 հազար լրացուցիչ դեղաճապեր են ստացել, ապահովելու համար երկրոր դեղաճապերը և այս շապատ նրանք ունեն 74 հազար հաստատված պատվաստումների նշանակումներ իրենց բուժաշխատողների համար։ Մենք նաև Այնպես էլ կաղաքի անձնակազմին և մեր գործ ընկերներին բոլորին, ովքեր թիմեր և շարժական ստորաբաժանումներ են ուղարկել այդ հաստատությունները, պատվաստումները տեմպերը արգացնելու համար։ Անցալ շապատ անցկացված հ յոտ տոքոսը և բնակիչների 66 տոքոսը։ Ակտիվ վարակ ունեցող անձինք պատվաստման իրավունք չունեն։ 
եւ որոշ աշխատակիցներ աշխատում են մեկից ավելի վայրում ուստի չեն պատվաստում յուրաքանչյուր կայքում մնացած 42 հմուտ բուժ քույրական հաստատությունների բոլորին օգնում են թիմեր իրենց պատվաստումները ջանքերով հուսալով որ դրանք կավարտվեն հաջորդ շաբաթ այսօրվանից մենք ընդլայնել ենք պատվաստումների ծրագիրը ներառելով առաջի A փուլը երկրորդ եւ երրորդ մակարդակներում գտնվող բոլոր առողջապահական աշխատողներին։ Կրկին այս պատվաստումները տեղի են ունենում նշանակման միջոցով, միայն ապացուցելով, որ դուք որակարվորվածեք որպես առաջնագծի առողջապահական աշխատող։ Ուրախ ենք տեղեկացնել, որ ավելի քան 75 պատվաստանյութի վայրեր են ստեղծվել այս լրացուցիչ մակարդակների համար։ Մինչ օրս առաջի էփոլում մենք բացել ենք ավելի քան 20 նշանակված պատվաստումների կենտրոն առաջնային բուժ աշխատողների համար եւ բազմաթիվ դեղատների հետ պայմանավորվածություններ ենք ձեռքբերել առաջի էփոլում գտնվող առաջնագծի առողջապահական աշխատողներին եւ այլոց պատվաստումները հեշտացնելու համար կրկին դուք պետք է ապացույց ցույց տաք որ որակավորվածեք եւ պետք է նշանակեք ժամադրություն խնդրում ենք այցելել մեր կայքերը առողջապահության մատակարարի տեղակատվական կայքը որտեղ էջի ներքևում ժամադրություն նշանակելու մանրամասներ կտեսնեք այս կայքերից բացի հաջորդ շաբաթ մենք նախատեսնում ենք բացել պատվաստումների 5 մեծ հզորություն որոնք հնարավորություն կտան մեզ արագացնել ա մեկի փուլում գտնվող առաջնագծի առողջապահական աշխատողների պատվաստումները մենք վերանշանում ենք առողջապահության վարչության աշխատակիցներին որպես կարողանանք ընդլայնել մեր կարողությունները այս կարճաժամկետ ջանքերի համար Այս հինգ կայքերը բացի մեր մասնավոր գործընկեր կայքերից մեզ թույլ կտան 5 միլիոն լրացուցիչ պատվաստումներ կատարել առողջապահության աշխատողների շրջանում միջև հունվարի վերջը։ Երբ մենք մոտենում ենք առաջի էփուլի ավարտին, մենք կարող ենք սկսել խմբերի պատվաստումները հաջորդ փուլում, առաջի B անկկալում ենք որ այս խմբի անդամների պատվաստումները կսկսեն միջև փետրվարի սկիզբը դրանից հետո մենք ակնկալում ենք որ մարտի վերջին կսկսենք պատվաստումների առաջի սի փուլում գտնվող անձանց համար ամբողջական նկարագրությունը թե ով է որակավորվում կամ առաջի բ փուլի կամ առաջի սի փուլի կարող է գտնել մեր կայքում հետեւյալ հասցեով www .vaccinatelacounty.com Այս կայքում յուրաքանչյուր խմբի կատեգորիայի կողքին կտեսնեք կարմիր եւ կանան շրջանակներ։ Կանան շրջանակները օգտագործում են այն խմբերին նշանակելու համար, որոնց ներկայումս առաջարկվել է պատվաստանյութ։ Իսկ կարմիր շրջանակները ցույց են տալիս այն խմբերը, որոնք սпасում են պատվաստանյութ առաջարկվելու։ Հանրային առողջությունը Այս հյուրընկալելու է 2 շաբաթի հունվարի 19-ին, որպեսի հասարակությունը ավելի շատ տեղեկություններ ստանա պատվաստանյութի եւ առաջիկա շաբաթների եւ ամիսների ընթացքում հնարավորինը շատ մարդկանց պատվաստելու մեր ծրագրի մասին։ Քիչ անց մանրամասները կտեղադրվեն մեր կայքում եւ ինչպես նախապես հարցեր 
ներկայացնեն։ Քաղաքապետարանը ուղիղ հերարցակմամբ կհերարցակի Twitter, Facebook և YouTube LA, LA Public Health կայքերում։ Շնորակալություն։ Thank you. Now the remarks in Korean. Hanyashimnika, Manjo LA County in Modern Bundurke, King Pantanoner Hakuzamida. Chigumen Kanangahan, Chibe Bomulo Isaya Haltemida. Chigum Yamalo, Taran Saramduga, Chopchugur, Pia Haltemida. Kung Nagaya Handamion, Iragona, Pisu Haltung Ralte, Hangsang Maskerer Sugo, Taran Saramdurguay Koridur Dugo, Sonel Chaju Shiko. To Wizen Yung Multistil Kako Tanimanso, Chonagina, Chadung Chaki, Iran and Chagopte, Bunson Jabi, the Manjin and Boden Gossel Takayamida, Chigumia Malo, Uriga Beu, Chosimago, Cholchagi, Chuiru Kiura Halte Mida, Chiki Taum Yotugan, Urin and Durogal Duchosan and Demida, Mebun, Yolmyongi, Kobidashiku Tester Pakoiko, Mail Man Uchomyongi, Yangsong Hakjing Jaga, Owner Chingsangal Datanegi, Etil Chonbuto, Yangsong Injido Boral Tebuto, Taran Saramdurl, Chonyom Shikiko Ismida, Chogodo, Shibeso, Shibi Posente, Kamyom Jadri, Pyongone Ibonage del Koshimio, Il Posente Isange Saramdri, Samangage demida, E. Iroan Kupchengen, Tom Anan Saramdurga, Saup Chedreso, Ulbaran Hengdongal Halte, Eman, Kutsi Narsu Ismida, Uri Modunum, Buosel Heahanji, Char Algo Ismida, County와 주정부 보건부는 바이러스를 통제하기 위해서 중요한 조치들을 해왔습니다. 11월에 우리는 모든 사람들이 집에 머물고 휴일에 모이지 말 것을 요청하였습니다. 여행 권고 사항과 보건 담당자 명령에 따라서 모임을 금지하고 직장과 공공 장소에서 안전 지침을 따라야 했으며 감염자들과 밀접 접촉자 그리고 여행자들은 고립하고 격리해야 하였습니다. 테스트는 무료이고 카운티 전체에 걸쳐서 이용이 가능합니다. 특히 취약한 커뮤니티를 위해서 리소스가 마련되었고 고립과 격리 명령에 따를 수 있도록 필요한 도움을 베풀고 있습니다. 또한 발병이 있었던 작업장들과 직원들과 손님에게서 염려가 들려온 사업체들의 준수를 확실하게 하기 위해 수천 개의 조사가 이행되었고 큰 발병이 있었던 사업체나 장소들은 폐쇄가 되었습니다. 작업장의 환경을 발전시키기 위해서 수백 개의 사업체들과 협력하였으며 벌금도 부과하였습니다. 수주 동안 이러한 도구들과 경고와 제안들을 가해왔습니다. 하지만 이 모든 것들이 충분하지 않았습니다. 왜냐하면 제일 큰 이유는 각 개개인들이 알맞은 행동을 취하고 개인적으로 조치를 취해야 하기 때문입니다. 우리는 우리 모두가 바로 이 엄청난 규모로 일어나고 있는 확산을 막기 위해서 서로를 보호하기 위해서 올바른 행동을 하기를 원합니다. LA 카운티에서 첫 양성 확진 케이스가 나온 지 1주년이 되어갑니다. 지난 12개월 동안 매우 길고 힘든 여정이었습니다. 백신 주사 접종과 함께 우리는 더 밝은 미래에 대한 희망을 가지게 되었습니다. 그러나 우리는 아직 백신의 효력을 경험할 수 있도록 모든 사람들이 살아남기를 바랍니다. 지금은 게임을 보기 위해서 집에서 친구들과 모일 때가 아닙니다. 지금은 마스크 없이 산책을 갈 때가 아닙니다. 이 죽음의 바이러스는 놀랄만한 속도로 퍼져가고 있으며 멈출 수 있는 가장 중요한 방법은 우리가 다른 사람들과의 교류를 피하고 항상 우리 자신을 보호하는 것입니다. 
이제 현재 수치를 알려드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 오늘 137명의 사망자가 보고되었는데 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 12,307명입니다. 지난 7일간 우리는 1,500명이 넘는 사람들을 잃었습니다. 사망자들 중에 55명이 80세 이상이었고 48명이 65에서 79세 사이, 25명이 50에서 64세 사이, 7명이 30에서 49세 사이였습니다. 오늘의 새 케이스 수는 12,617명이었고 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 932,697건이었습니다. 이 케이스들은 롱비치시에서 38,470건, 파사디네시에서 8,397건을 포함한 것이며 이두 시는 각각 보건부가 따로 있습니다. 현재 코비드19로 병원에 입원한 자들의 수는 7,910명이며 이중 22%가 중환자실에 입원해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 4,287개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 1,737개는 현재 조사 중이고 2,550개는 조사를 마친 상태입니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 75,512개인데 32,644명은 거주민이었고 42,868명은 직원이었습니다. 오늘까지 500만 명이 넘는 사람들이 테스트를 받았으며 축적 확진률은 18%였습니다. 1월 6일에 1일 평균 케이스 수는 12,241건인데 11월 1일에 급증이 시작된 이래로 898%가 증가한 수치입니다. 크리스마스 휴일에 휴일과 뉴이어 휴일에 케이스 수가 잠깐 줄어들었었는데 이것은 테스팅 장소가 문을 닫았었기 때문입니다. 그러나 크리스마스 때 그랬던 것처럼 이제 뉴이어 휴일에 거의 2주가 되어가는 시점에서 다시 케이스 수가 증가할 것으로 보고 있습니다. 2개월 전에 평균 병원 입원자 수가 코비드19로 인한 병원 입원자 수가 791명에서 1월 8일에는 8천여 명이 넘는데 이것은 884%가 증가한 수치입니다. 평균 매일 4천에서 1만 5천 명이 테스트를 받고 있는데 이중 10에서 12%의 양성 확진자들이 병원 입원이 필요할 만큼 아플 것을 예상하고 있습니다. 그리고 이 상황은 병원들이 주최할 수 없게 만들 것인데 우리의 용감한 의료서비스 종사자들이 앞장서서 생명을 구하기 위해서 할수 있는 모든 일을 하고 있습니다. 우리는 이들의 헌신과 긴 시간 열심히 일하고 힘을 내는 것에 대해서 깊이 감사드리고 있습니다. 이들이 지금 필요한 것은 우리가 바이러스의 확산을 막음으로써 매일 응급실로 밀려 들어오는 수십 명의 케이스들을 보지 않을 수 있도록 하는 것입니다. 11월에 케이스가 급증하면서 1000%가 넘는 사망률을 보았습니다. 7일 평균 1일 사망자 수가 11월 초에는 12명에서 1월 6일에는 146명으로 늘었습니다. 지난 며칠간 1일 사망자 수는 200명이 넘은 적도 있었습니다. 지난 주말에 코로나19로 인해서 1만 2천명의 카운티 주민들이 목숨을 잃었습니다. 노숙자들은 특히 더 취약한 집단인데 이들은 다른 사람들 
로부터 보호를 받을 수 있는 안전한 공간이 없고 의료 서비스의 액세스가 어려우며 여러 가지 기저질환을 가지고 있을 수도 있습니다. 많은 공공시설과 사립단체들에서 이들을 템포러리로 주거지로 옮기는 일을 하였고 아직 밖에서 사는 사람들의 건강검진을 하기 위해서 노력하였습니다. 전체적인 사망률이 급증한 것에 비해서 노숙자들 간의 사망률은 그만큼 급증하지는 않았습니다. 12월 초에 노숙자들 가운데는 일주일에 2명의 사망자가 있었는데 현재 1월 2일까지 7일간 14명의 사망자가 있었음을 보게 됩니다. 또 다른 취약그룹은 감옥에 수감되어 있는 사람들입니다. 판다믹 시작 이래로 카운티와 주정부 또 영방부는 감옥과 교도소에서 발병을 줄이기 위해서 많은 노력을 기울였습니다. 노숙자들과 마찬가지로 수감되어 있는 사람들도 사망률이 급격하게 증가하지는 않았습니다. 지난 봄에 급증이 있었을 때 수감자들 가운데선 일주일에 3명이 사망자가 있었습니다. 지난 두달 동안 LA 카운티 주민들 가운데 사망률이 급격히 증가한 가운데 전문 간호시설에서 거주민들의 사망률도 역시 그만큼 증가하지는 않았습니다. 전체 사망률이 1000% 이상 증가했었는데 전문 간호시설에서의 사망률은 112%가 증가하였었습니다. 봄에는 코비드19로 사망자들 중에 절반이 전문 간호시설에서 나왔었는데 지금은 전체 사망률의 6% 이하인 것을 보게 됩니다. 이제 코비드19 백신 주사에 관한 업데이트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 지난주 병원들은 22만 개의 백신 주사를 받았고 75%인 16만 명의 의료서비스 종사자들이 백신 주사를 맞았습니다. 지난주에 병원들은 두 번째 접종을 맞 접종을 시작하였으며 2만 2천 명의 의료서비스 종사자들이 모든 접종을 마쳤습니다. 병원들은 지난주에 3만 7천 개의 백신 주사를 추가로 받았으며 이것은 남아있는 6만 개와 함께 이번 주에 두 번째 주사를 접종할 수 있을 것이며 이번 주에 의료서비스 종사자들이 7만 4천 개의 백신 주사가 예약되어 있습니다. 298개의 전문 간호시설에 4만 9천 명의 접종 가능한 거주민들과 직원들 중에 67%의 직원들과 66%의 거주민들이 접종을 마쳤습니다. 현재 감염된 사람들은 백신 주사를 접종을 받을 수가 없고 몇 직원들은 하나 이상의 직장에서 일을 하고 있기 때문에 각 직장에서 접종을 받지는 않았습니다. 나머지 42개의 전문 간호시설들 역시 다음 주까지 접종을 마칠 것입니다. 오늘부터 주정부 방침에 따라서 백신 접종을 페이즈 1A에 있는 티어 2와 3의 모든 서비스 종사자들에게도 확장될 것입니다. 백신 접종은 예약으로만 할수 있으며 최전선 의료 서비스 종사자임을 증명하는 서류를, 어, 서류가 필요합니다. 이들에게 백신을 접종하기 위해서 75개 이상의 접종 장소가 선정되었습니다. 오늘까지 20개의 접종 센터가 문을 열었으며 여러 약국들과 협력하여 페이즈 1A에 있는 최전선 의료서비스 종사자들에게 접종을 시작하게 될 것입니다. 의료서비스 제공자 인포메이션 허업을 방문하셔서 어떻게 접종을 예약할 수 있는지 보실 수 있습니다. 이에 더해서 다음 주에는 페이즈 1A에 속하는 최전선 의료서비스 종사자들을 위해 더 빨리 접종하기 위해 다섯 개의큰 접종 장소를 열 것입니다. 현재 헬스 디팔먼트의 직원들은 단기간 백신 접종하는 일에 작업에 투여하고 있습니다. 
이 다섯 개의 장소에서 1월 말까지 의료서비스 종사자들의 50만 개의 추가 접종이 이루어지게 될 것입니다. 페이즈 1A가 끝나갈 쯤에 다음 단계인 1B에 속하는 그룹을 위해서 백신 접종이 시작될 것입니다. 다음 그룹은 2월 초쯤에 백신 접종을 시작하게 됩니다. 그 다음에는 3월 말쯤에 페이즈 1C에 속하는 사람들의 접종이 이루어지게 될 것입니다. 누가 페이즈 1B와 1C에 속하는지는 웹사이트 www.vaccinlacounty.com에서 자세히 보실 수가 있습니다. 이 웹사이트에서 각 그룹 옆에 빨간색과 초록색 동그라미를 보실 수 있는데 초록색 동그라미는 현재 혹은 이미 백신을 받은 사람들을 뜻하고 빨간색은 백신을 아직 기다리고 있는 그룹을 의미합니다. 또한 코비드19 백신 타운홀 미딩을 한번더 가지게 될 것인데 1월 19일 화요일 보건부에서 대중들이 백신에 대해서 더 많이 배우고 다가오는 주와 또 다음 달 동안 최대한 많은 사람들이 백신 주사를 받을 수 있도록 타운홀 미딩을 마련할 것입니다. 어, 어떻게 미리 질문을 제출할 수 있는지 더 자세한 점을 웹사이트에 공지될 것입니다. 타운홀 미딩은 트위터와 페이스북 그리고 유튜브에서 at LA Public Health에서 라이브로 방송이 될 것입니다. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chang will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. Thank <laughs> 持续不断的支持和带领我们经历这一艰难的时刻我们将一日既往的全力全方位的努力通过扩大疫苗种植以结束这一疫情现在我为大家更新相关的数据关键的一月份首先让我呼吁落线每个居民现在是尽可能待在
对感染者及密切接触者和旅行归来的人要求要求居家隔离。我们在前线范围内提供了免费的测试点，并为那些需要帮助的社区和个人提供了隔离所需。我们对受过广场、受过场所进行了检查，受千个广场所进行了检查，以确保这些场所符合防疫要求。我们还将继续对那些爆发场所及人们所关心的场所进行继续进行检查。我我们关闭了一些发生大型爆发的场所。我们和数百个企业一道加强和改善了工作场所的安全性。我们对不遵守防疫规则的企业开出了罚单。所有这些防疫工具、相关警告及相关规定，已为大家所知。但所有以上所说的都不及一个重要的因素，即每个人都应该采取相应的行动，并付诸实施。我们只是需要每个人做正确的选择，这样我们才能够相互保护，并阻止病毒以目前这种失控的速度传播。我们很快就会来到诺县第一个新冠病毒的周年日。我们知道，过去的十二个月很长的，十分折磨我们。随着疫苗的到来，黎明就在眼前。但我们要确保，确保每个人能活到接种疫苗的时刻。现在不是邀请朋友来家一起观看比赛的时候，也不是不戴口罩去散步的时候。只要有一个人做错，随之而来的受害者就有五个、十个，甚至二十个被感染。这一致命的病毒传染速度非常快，最好的防止病毒传播的方法是避免与他人接触。很不幸，今天诺县又有一百三十七人因新冠病毒去世，这样诺县总共因新冠病毒死亡的人数就达到了一万两千三百八十七人。在过去的仅仅七天内，我们就有一千五百人。因新冠病毒去世，这绝对是一个悲剧。在这去世的人中，有五十五人是八十岁以上的长者，其其中有六是六十五岁到七十九岁之间的人有四十九人，五十到六十四岁之间的人有二十五人，而介于三十到四十九岁之间的人有七人。今天诺县今天一万两千六百一十七例新冠病例，这样诺县新病例的总数就上升到了九十三万两千六百九十七例。十分不幸，我们在急需的靠近一百万病例这一令人沮丧的数字。这些病例也包括长滩市的三万八千四百七十例和帕萨迪纳市的八千三百九十七例，两个城市都有自己的独立的卫生部门。现在所有确诊病人中有七千九百一十人住院，其中百分之二十二的病例住在加护病房。我们已对四千两百八十七个大型住宅和非住宅机构进行了调查，这些机构中至少有一个已知新冠病毒患者，其中一千七百三十七个人在调查中。
两千五百五十个已结束调查。这些机构包括疗养院、辅助居住所、避难所、治疗中心、援助居住中心、管教所、非住宅机构，包括工作场所、餐饮或零售地及教育中心。机构总确诊的数为七万五千五百一十人，其中居民三万两千六百四十四人。员工四万两千八百六十八人，洛县已有超过五百万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中百分之十八的测试呈阳性。事发日病例数，截止一月六号，事发日病例数的七天平均值为一万两千两百四十一人，相当于十月一号这一数据增加了。百分之八百九十八，住院人数。病例的增加给我们的医院医护系统带来了前所未有的冲击，不可想象。从两个月前的平均七百九十一人，到现在的平均八千人，这一数字是相当于百分之八百八十四的暴涨。随着每天一万四千到一万五千的新增新冠病例不难预测，其中百分之十到百分之十二的阳性患者将需要住院治疗，这会更进一步的加重医护系统的负荷。我们难能可贵的医护人员在尽他们的一切能力来拯救生命，对医护人员的敬业、长时间的工作时间及在这艰难的时刻的表现所表现的坚毅。我们致以崇高的敬意。死亡人数，死亡的数字时刻提醒我们，我们在防御上做的还远不够。从十一月爆发到现在，死亡人下死亡人数增加了百分之一千。从十一月早期的三天平均值十二名死亡者，到一月六号的平均死亡人数一百四十六，这过去的一星期内有几天？的每天死亡人数都超过两百人。过去的这一周末，新冠病毒将总死亡人数推到了超过十一万两千这一可怕的数字。疫苗更新，截止上周，医院总共收到了二十二万剂疫苗。已经为一十六万个医护人员接种，这相当于给百分之七十五的医护人员接种。部分医院一个部分的医护人员第二次接种，直到上周，总共有超过两万两千医护人员已接种完毕。各医院除了上层的六万剂疫苗，上星期又收到了三万七千支疫苗。这样可以保证给所有医护人员进行第二次接种。这星期将会有七万四千的医护人员接种。根据州的规定，我们将开始给第二或第三梯层的医护人员接种疫苗。他们需要预约并且提供证明。我们已预设了七十五个地点来为这些人员提供接种服务。除了上面提及的接种地点，下周我们将准备开放
五个大型的接种地点，来加快为第一线的医护人员接种。我们将加派卫生局的员工，以便增加接种人员。我们希望通过这些接种地点，到一月底为医护人员提供五十万剂的疫苗接种。我们以按 EA 期的疫苗接种接种尾声。我们期待即将开始 1B 期的疫苗接种，预计 1B 期接种将于2月初开始，之后到3月尾即将为 1C 期的人群接种。公众可以通过我们的网站 www. 点 vaccinatedlacounty. 点 com 来查找查找谁属于。一 B 七谁属于一 C 七接种人群？网站中每一种人员旁边，每一组人员旁边都用红色和绿色的红圈标示，绿圈代表该组人员已经或正在接种，红色的则代表该组人员在等待中。我要告诉大家，我们即将再一次举行新冠疫苗公开说明展。公共卫生局将于一月十九号及星期二向公众介绍疫苗接种计划，及未来数周或数月内尽可能接种更多的疫苗的计划。提问的格式将提前公布在网站上。说明展将通过 Twitter、Facebook 和 YouTube 为公众提供互动。This concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.
Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show covers the COVID-19 press briefing that took place this past Monday, January 11th, including comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. 